come. If it happens to, we like it. We, we don't see anything. Once it is godly, we like it. You see? Uh -huh. So, it is my honor and delight to invite to the podium our very own Felix. Minkan, a title name here. Chief Finance Officer. Chapechano, Chapechano. Aha. It is, it is an honor. Hallelujah. Yes. His name is Felix Antiedu Obusu. Hallelujah. And I will say that I'm excited because I'm ready to listen and learn. Praise the Lord. I hope you are too. Now, clap for him one more time. Sleepless nights, reading, studying. Get ready in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, let's speak in the language of the Spirit. Amen. 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 How many of us are happy to be here? Those who are not happy, you can go home. Eh? <laughs> you can go home and start. Amen. So today's topic, hey, who knows our pastor? Who is our pastor? Like just point to the direction of where our pastor is. Yeah. Head pastor. Yeah. So we know our pastor already. Amen. Today's topic is believers' accountability to their pastor. So all of us here are believers. If not, you wouldn't be here. If you are here and you are an unbeliever, I don't know why you are here. But we know I know most of us or all of us here are believers. At least the people I have encountered are all believers. And I thank God for that. So today is about the believers' accountability to the pastor. And when we say accountability, um, there are several meanings of accountability. So accountability could mean, could be a report. So if you read the Bible, most of the disciples, the, the, the gospel, is mostly like an account of the life of Jesus Christ. So an accountability could be a report that you are giving. But there's another side of accountability. It's not just a report you are giving. So the definition, the other definition, is understanding and upholding responsibilities you have been given or volunteered to take in order to do whatever job or task you have completed, you have, sorry, in order to do whatever job or task. Yes, so that's it. So accountability is your responsibility that you as a believer are supposed to do. But this time, it is towards your pastor not towards yourself or towards your... Maybe you do that one later, I don't know. But now you've done accountability towards God for your calling and many others. Now you are doing towards our pastor. I know that we have heard so much about how to like do things for your pastor. The things that you are supposed to do for your pastor. We've heard so many of them. But today we are going to take it in a different dimension. This time around it's going to be more of stories. So I'm going to give you practical biblical examples of accountability towards your pastor or your leader amen so normally people think that it is just a duty of a believer to come to church so normally some people they make it a duty to go to church which is not bad it's good but it is a start so you coming to church is one part of it 
you doing your, your duty is a further step. So, if there's a blessing for coming to church, you have it. But the other blessings for your duties, there are people who can come to church and be a nuisance to the church. So, yeah. But you have to know your accountability. You have to know your place. You have to know your responsibility as a believer. So the first one we are going to talk about is obedience to your pastor. So that's the first responsibility of a believer. You have to obey your pastor or your leader. So let's go to Hebrews 13, 17. That will be our first Bible verse. Hebrews 13, 17. So obedience, let me just define obedience before we go. Obedience is compliance with order. So you are going to comply with an order or an authority. So we believe that our pastor is our authority. So you are going to comply with that. So Hebrews 13, 17. Uh, anyone can read for me? Yes. <laughs> yeah, and if you read for me. <laughs> Obey your spiritual leaders. Hebrews 13, 17. And do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls. And they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy. And not with sorrow. That will certainly not be for your benefit. Amen. This one alone can be like three months, seven. This, this one alone. Because there, there's so much in it. But because I don't want to dwell on one thing, I'm going to just brush through. So, as you can see, obey your spiritual leaders. But this time, we are limiting it to the pastor. I'm not going to say the head pastor or the assistant pastor. The pastor. So, obey your pastor or your leaders. Because they watch over your souls. And they are accountable to God. And make sure that the work that they are doing, they are doing it with joy and not with sorrow. As I said, some people can be in church and be a nuisance. So, that one is there. You go deep into that. You go deep into this. But, um, so I want us to see an example in the Bible of someone who obeyed a leader and somebody who disobeyed a leader and the outcome. Yes. So we all know about Elisha and Gehazi. You know the story. Yeah. So that's the story of this obedience. So let's go to 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 26. 2 Kings 5, 26. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 26. But Elisha asked him, don't you realize that I was there in spirit when Naaman stepped down from his chariot to meet you. Is this the time to receive money and clothing, olive grooves and vineyards, sheep and cattle, and male and female servants? Hold on. Um, Let's go back further to maybe 22. Let's go back to 22. Verse 22. Yes, Gehazi said, but my master has sent me to tell you that Two young prophets from the hill country of Ephraim have just arrived. He would like 75 pounds of silver and two sets of clothing to give to them. Next. By all means, take twice as much silver, Naaman said. He gave him two sets of clothing, tied up the money in two bags, and sent two of his servants to carry the gifts for Gehazi. Next. But when they arrived at the citadel, Gehazi took the gifts from the servants and sent the men back. Then he went and hid the gifts inside the house. When he went into his master, Elisha asked him, Where have you been, Gehazi? I haven't been anywhere, he replied. All right, let's hold on. So, (laughs) Gehazi is an interesting character in the Bible. He was a follower, or maybe a, a sheep. Yes, a sheep of Elisha. So, Elisha was kind of training Gehazi. Just as Elijah trained Elisha. That's what was happening here. So there was a man, Naaman. Naaman was like a military, like he was a high authority in his land. So he had a problem, leprosy. In the past, I don't know how we define leprosy now. We see it as something like this. But leprosy is not just your hands. It's the whole of your body. Your skin becomes white like snow. Yeah. So that's what Naaman was suffering from. So Naaman spoke to the king of his kingdom that he has heard. He was told by a servant girl that was brought to him that there's a priest or there's a man of God in Israel who has the power to heal his illness. So he went to his uh, king or his leader 
and told him that he wants to go to Israel and be healed. So the man gave him a letter that he should take to the king of Israel. So when he took the letter to the king of Israel, he was outraged that, like, and we brought him this letter to heal you. How is he going to do that? So Elisha heard it. And Elisha told him that they should send Naaman to him. And he will work miracles with Naaman. So Naaman was sent to him. And when Naaman got there, he came with a, a lot of servants and a lot of gifts. Because ideally, if you are going before God or before a man of God, you go with a gift. That's, that's the practice. He understood it. So he went there with a lot of gifts. And he went there with a lot of servants. And when he got there, there was a simple command. Elisha didn't even come out to meet him. Elisha sent someone to tell him that go to the Jordan and then swim in it um, seven times. Yeah. So he was like, ah, Jordan, this dirty river. There are better rivers in my place. Like, probably, I don't know where he's coming from, but maybe Charlie. That place, they are children. But Jordan was dirty, as he said. I don't know. But he said Jordan was dirty, so he won't swim in it. But that was the direction of God. So you can see this point. At this point, Naaman was becoming disobedient to an authority he had further or formally decided to submit himself to. Because he came to be blessed or he came to be healed by the man of God. So he had submitted himself to be blessed and healed. But when he got there, he started to be disobedient. Because he realized that nah, dear pastor Simon idea, nah, this one day, this one day, Charlie, it's not it's not going to work. It's not going to work. So he did he decided not to do it. So he left with the servants and everybody. They were going. So on their way, one of the servants told them that Charlie, if the man had told you to do something great, you would have done it. But this simple thing, just fall in the water and come out. That one you don't want to do it. So that's how some of us in the church are. We are so disobedient to the extent that even when we go and let's say you have an issue with pastor and you go and tell somebody else the person says Charlie this one you are wrong go back and apologize nah me I won't apologize Charlie pastor is wrong pastor is wrong so there are people who are stubborn those are the kind of people who can be a nuisance to the church you are there you are disobedient you are wrong but you are unrepentant so that one day Charlie you are close to some witch or something like that (laughs) but you have to learn to be repentant you have to learn to be repentant because once Naaman was told that this one he is wrong, because it is a simple thing. If he had told you to bring sacrifices and stuff, you would have brought it. It's a simple thing. He's taking nothing from you. So he decided to obey. So now Naaman decided to obey. So he took a turn. He learned to take a turn and obey. So he went to the river. Then he did what he was told to do. Then he came out and his skin was like that of a baby. So you can imagine the skin of a baby, fresh. That's what he got. So his obedience made him get what he came to seek for. I remember last time, so Mami was saying that there are people who come to the church and maybe they meet pastor and then things work out for them. But there are people who have stayed in the church with pastor and things are not working out for them. Not because there's no power here. Just because they are not obeying. Just because simple things that they are being told to do, they are not doing it. Because they think they are better, they think they are more spiritual. Okay, we'll go to that, that place where people think they are more spiritual than the pastor. But you get there. But, so it's a simple obedience. A simple obedience. That's what Naaman did. So Naaman obeyed, and then he got what he was seeking for. So now, let's look at the other side. Gehazi, an interesting guy. Can we continue to the next verse? But Elisha asked him, don't you realize that I was there in spirit when Naaman stepped down from his chariot to meet you? Is this a time to receive money and clothing, olive grooves and vineyards, sheep and cattle, and male and female servants? Next. Because you have done this, you and your descendants will suffer from Naaman's leprosy forever. When Gehazi left the room, he was covered with leprosy. His skin was white as snow. Amen. So, as you can see, Gehazi, so after that, Gehazi sat down and was like, Charlie, my master was too soft on Naaman because he knows that Naaman is rich and he brought a lot of things. He was like, nah, my master was too soft. So, Gehazi, the chariot had left to the man ran, Charlie, motivation. <laughs> the man ran because he was going for, he knew what he was going for. He ran after the chariot and then they saw him coming, so they stopped. Then he came to lie that Charlie, the master has gotten some servants. The thing is that when he was even committing the most annoying thing is that he didn't even take everything on. 
It's too small. Should have just taken everything because Charlie, they think you are committing the crime. Take everything. But he, he went and he took like two pieces of cloth and some few things. And then he left. So he went back. Naaman made his servants carry it with Gehazi. And Gehazi left. So when they got there, because he didn't want Elisha to see Charlie Canal man, he thought everything is physical. He didn't want Gehazi to see. So he made them put the things in some corner. And then he went and then met um, Elisha. Elisha asked him, now where did you go to? He said, oh, I didn't go anywhere. <laughs> the guy said he didn't go anywhere. The, the thing is that at that point he was very stupid because he had forgotten who he was working with. The man who was able to tell you that there are armies of angels around you. Like, I don't know what came over him, but that's how obedience works. Oh, disobedience, sorry. Once you decide, you decide to disobey, you might forget who you are dealing with. Because as the one that we read earlier is that the leader is accountable to God. So if he's accountable to God, then God is dealing with him directly. So if you are dealing with him, then know that you are dealing with God. But you come and then you tell him that, oh, I didn't go anywhere. And the man told him that when he left, his spirit was with him. So he saw him like, it's not like somebody came to tell him this one, first, first, first person. He saw him with the eyes. So as you can see, Gehazi left the room covered with leprosy. But the most annoying part is that he didn't take it alone. His descendants, he gave it to everybody. Oh, Charlie. You see a new baby born, and then the person has leprosy because of something that their grandfather did. It's sad. So, <clears throat> we can see from here, there are two forms. Obedience to your pastor. Those who obey, they have their reward. Those who disobey, they have their reward. So, either ways, you will have a reward from it. So you either obey and get a good reward or disobey and get Gehazi. So either ways. So that's the first point. Obedience to your pastor. So that's the first responsibility of a believer to the pastor. The second point is do not judge him. <coughs> yeah. Second point is do not judge him. Romans 14.4 Do not judge. Romans 14, 4. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? They are responsible to the Lord, so let him judge whether they are right or wrong. And with the Lord's help, they will do what is right and receive his approval. <coughs> yes. It is clear. Who are you? It is clear. Who are you to condemn someone else's servant? So your pastor is not your servant. Your pastor is someone else's servant. And there's someone else is God. So the question is, who are you? Who are you? Are you God? If you are God, then that's fine. That way you can judge pastor, you can condemn pastor, you can do anything you want. But this Bible verse is saying that, who are you to condemn someone else's servant? They are responsible to the Lord, so let him judge whether they are right or wrong. There was a time pastor was saying that sometimes he prays a lot because maybe sometimes he might make a decision which may not be going right, but you pray a lot so that like a bet share by the right way. Yes. So <clears throat> the servant is subject to the master. And because the servant is in constant communication with the master, the master will direct the ways of the servant. So as the servant prays, so there are ways, there's there's a difference between condemnation and then how should I how should I say drawing attention to. So you can draw pastor's attention to, oh, pastor, this thing that you did, it might not be right. That one is there. But condemning, it's like, this thing you did, it's not right. So the church won't go forward. <laughs> that one, you have condemned him and you've condemned the decision and you've condemned the church. That because of what pastor did, it is not right. Therefore, <laughs> that's where the judgment comes in. So now, what he did was not right. So you tell him, pastor, what you did, I don't think it is right. Maybe let's do it this way. That one, that one is not condemnation. It doesn't mean that you don't have the right to talk to pastor when you think something is not right. You should. Actually, you should. Because he's human. As he's also spiritual, he's human. He can make decisions that may not be right. So you have to talk to him. So now, an interesting story is here. Let's go to Numbers 12. A very, very interesting story. Very, very interesting story. Numbers 12. Right. 
while they were at Hazaroth, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. They said, Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? But the Lord heard them. Now Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. So immediately, immediately the Lord called to Moses, Aaron and Miriam and said, Go out to the tabernacle, all three of you. So the three of them went to the tabernacle. Then the Lord descended in the pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle. Aaron and Miriam, he called out and they stepped forward. And the Lord said to them, Now listen to what I say. If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. I would speak to them in dreams. But not with my servant Moses. Of my house, he is the one I trust. I speak to him face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. So why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? Yeah, so let's hold on here. This story is very interesting. So as you can see, there's Moses, not Moses, Mensah Jabba. There's Moses and Moses had siblings. So there's Miriam and there's Aaron. So Moses went to marry a Kushite woman. Kushite is an Ethiopian woman. They are very beautiful. So Moses, because his eyes, <laughs> it's a fact. They are very beautiful. But because Moses, his eyes see good things. <laughs> That's where he went. He went to marry a Kushite woman. <laughs> so Moses married a Kushite woman. He picked from the best. Yes. And then Miriam and Aaron, knowing that there are regulations, which in a way you can argue that Miriam and Aaron were not wrong. <laughs> because Moses clearly went out and married. So then we can criticize him because he did what he has told us not to do we can criticize him but that's not it as i said earlier moses is not miriam's servant moses is a servant of god so if moses had decided to marry somebody from outside the radius then it is up to god to judge moses so god this one god i think god was very angry because to summon them himself three of you come here face to face, stand before me and then he told them I speak to, he said he speaks to Moses face to face with the other prophets he may reveal to them maybe in riddles and like sometimes people here you have dreams you can't understand, you come to pastor for explanation so yours are riddles they reveal it to you in ways that you don't understand but you come to the servant of God who sees the Lord as he is so the question is why are you not afraid to criticize Moses my servant now the question again, who are you? Are you God? If you are God, then fine. You can criticize, or you can condemn, or you can judge. But if you are not God, then why are you not afraid? Because you know the pastor you are following, or the leader you are following, and you know the kind of miracles God worked through him. People will give so many examples of churches where pastors are sleeping with other people in the church and all that. But Christianity is a faith, as I always say. It's faith. That's why you should be very, very careful about the church you join. It's not every church that you should join. They are, okay, let me not go there. If I go there, I'm going to theology, theology about some churches, but I will not go there. But let's, let's remain here. So it is very important. It is very important that you are here. You are blessed to be here. And I, I, I can confirm that you are blessed to be here. So in the church, where you said the leader or the pastor is a servant of God if he does something right what um, Miriam and Aaron did was not to go to Moses and ask Moses that Moses why did you do this they condemned him they condemned him like hey, he deserved to be punished like the other people maybe somebody did and was punished but Moses is doing the same thing the Moses deserves to be punished like the other people because they were condemning him if you are condemning you Charlie we finished you because you are probably they were even saying Moses was not fit to be a leader. Because Moses, Charlie, you, you can't even follow rules, simple rules, you can't follow. You want to bring the, the rule and then you are breaking the rule yourself. 
So that was what Miriam and Aaron did. And they are his siblings. So you see, because they were familiar with him, they thought that Charlie, they have the right of way because he's our brother. Probably he was the youngest, or he was the youngest. So your big siblings know that Charlie, why are you We can see it because you are a kid. You are just a kid. There's just some anointing that you have, Charlie. It's not, it's not anything, but you are just a kid. But truly, Moses is anointing. There was this someone that I, 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 I listened to some time ago that one day, one day, God will reveal something to you. Then you will see the oldest person in your church wearing diapers. And then you see the youngest person as an old man. Because some people, they are, they are old physically, but they are babies. Some people, they are kids, but they are adults. So you have to respect the anointing, not the age. You may be here, pastor may be younger than you, pastor may be the same age, pastor may be your brother, pastor may be familiar with whatever, but you have to accord the respect to the anointing because he has been anointed and separated for the work of God. So Miriam and Aaron, now they are before God. Let's see what God does to them. The next verse. The Lord was very angry with them and he departed. As the cloud moved from above the tabernacle, there stood Miriam, her skin as white as snow from leprosy. When Aaron saw what had happened to her, he cried out to Moses, Oh, my master, please don't punish us for this sin we have so foolishly committed. Don't let her be like a stillborn baby, already decayed at birth. So Moses cried out to the Lord, Oh God, I beg you, please heal her. But the Lord said to Moses, If her father had done nothing more than spit in her face, wouldn't she be defiled for seven days? So keep her outside the camp for seven days, and after that she may be accepted back. Alright. So you can see, in the past, leprosy was like a free gift. <laughs> the moment you do now, leprosy. Leprosy straight. So God just smashed leprosy on Miriam. Because <laughs> aside the fact that God had spoken to them physically, God needed to disgrace Miriam for people to see. There's a part of the Bible that says that if a leader, not the pastor, if a leader does something, you have to let other people learn from it. So Miriam was made an example so that others will know that you don't, you don't cross this line. But people ask, Miriam and Aaron did it, so why is Aaron just standing there and then Miriam is punished? Because Aaron had a purpose. There was a reason why God didn't touch Aaron. Aaron had a purpose. The moment Aaron dropped his staff, he died. Because his work was done. And that was the end of it. But his own was coming. It was postponed. It wasn't like he was just left alone. It was postponed. It was in the future. But Miriam got hers instantly. And she was not just disgraced. She didn't just waste her own time. She wasted everybody's time. If you read further, it says that they waited for her to be well before they moved camp. Because they were on their way. They were moving. But because of Miriam, they had to wait for her to get better and then add her to them and then move. Because you, are, you have leprosy. You are not part of us. You are not human. You are, you are like a half human. That's how it was in the past. Because if you read some parts of the Bible, they built walls. And those with leprosy, they stay outside the walls. So if you get you in town, the way we will lash you in. <laughs> you are an unclean person. You are amongst us. <laughs> so that's how it was. Miriam was kept in a tent outside. And she wasted everybody's time because she thought she was big enough to condemn the chosen of God. Uh, yeah. So the point again, the second point, do not condemn your man of God. You do not condemn your man of God. As I said, it doesn't mean that if you think pastor you're doing something right, you cannot say it. You say it to him. You say it to the pastor that pastor, what you did is not right. Or even if you are discussing with somebody, after your discussion, you move to pastor and tell him that this is what we think. So you don't just make conclusions and move on. Once you conclude and move on, you have condemned and judged. So you have to let the man of God know that what he did. It is also part of the ways that God directs him. As he said, he prays and maybe some of the decisions that were not going right will go right. Maybe God is using you to direct him. 
So God is passing through you to tell him that this one you did, you could have done it this way and it would have been better. So that is the second point. Do not condemn or judge your man of God. We've done two points now. First one is obey your man of God, obedience. The second one is do not condemn or judge him. The third one, a very short point. I think my time, I have how many minutes more? How many minutes? Twelve. You finish. Okay, let me just go through quickly. The third one, Psalm 105, verse 15. Do not harm him. For here, um, I'll just make one point. You can harm you can harm someone physically or emotionally. I like to talk about the emotional part. So this one is straightforward. I will read it myself. Do not touch my chosen people. Do not hurt my prophets. You know pastor can prophesy. He's a prophet. Do not hurt him. And here I'm just talking about emotional hurt, not even physical hurt. Because you can beat him. But emotionally, there are things that you do that you can make him cry. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe he cries. I don't know. <laughs> or make him sad. So those are things that you should desist from. Things that you think will harm him, desist from them. So our fourth point is to honor him with substance. You honor your pastor with substance. It's a responsibility of the believer to honor your pastor with substance. Galatians 6.6 6. Galatians 6.6 6. Those who are taught those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. So obviously, we are taught the word of God by pastor. So we have to share all the good things you have with him. All the good things you have, you share with him. Because you have to share with him. That's all. Because you have to share with him. The reason being that, you know that this man has dedicated his time full time to attend to everybody and to be the leader and to answer to God on our behalf. He's, he's standing in the gap for all of us. And whilst he's standing in the gap, he has to eat and he has to provide for himself and his family. That's why you have to honor him with substance. So, since I have a few minutes, let's go to um, 2 Kings 4, verse 8 to 36. 2 Kings 4, verse 8. 2nd Kings chapter 4 verse 8 one day Elisha went to the town of Shunem a wealthy woman lived there and she urged him to come to her home for a meal after that whenever he passed that way he would stop there for something to eat she said to her husband I am sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. Then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. One day, Elisha returned to Shunem, and he went up to his upper room to rest. He said to his servant, Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunem I want to speak to her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her, we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or to the commander of the army? No, she replied. My family takes good care of me. Later, Elisha asked Gehazi, What can we do for her? Gehazi replied, She doesn't have a son and her husband is an old man. Call her back again, Elisha told him. When the woman returned, Elisha said to her as she stood in the doorway, Next year at this time, you'll be holding a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. Amen. So as you can see, this Shunammite woman, so she was just being good to Elisha. All she started doing was to provide meals for Elisha because she realized that Elisha is a man of God and anointed in that sense. So she was providing meals for him. And then she realized that, mm, I can go further. So then let us get him a room upstairs. So that when he comes and he's tired, after eating, he can stay there. There was a, there was a bed, there was a chair, there was a table and everything. So he can stay there 
and prepare for his journey or whatever he's going to do. So this woman was doing something, but she realized that, no, well, let me still do more. Yes, that's what you are supposed to do. So you have been given, as Pastor was saying last time, you have been given one CD and five CDs. Uh, now you have to increase it. You have to do more. It's not because, it's not because you are becoming, um, how should I put it? It's not because of inflation. Let me put it that way. It's not because there's inflation. You have to increase your giving. But you realize that when the woman was giving food, Elisha was okay. He was just passing by. When the woman decided to go to the next stage, he decided to bless the woman with a baby. Something the woman had been seeking for and had given up. So if you realize, the woman was like, No, my Lord. Oh, man of God. Don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. Because she knew it was not possible. Because the husband is so old. It's not going to happen. Even, no, no way, no way. Unless, unless adultery or something, it won't happen. So, this woman didn't believe. Sometimes, sometimes people say that, if, let's say if you get a word, you have to believe for it to happen. But this woman's own was different. Because of the way she blessed the man of God. It was like a by force anointing. Whether you like it or not, you are getting the baby. Because you like it. But you are saying it won't happen, but you are getting it. So it was a by force thing. You are, we are giving it to you. You like it. You are getting it. You, can, you say it can't happen, but you are getting it. So, if you go further, you realize that sometime afterwards, the woman had a child, a son. And then they were so happy because the impossible was possible. And um, the, the man, the old man, one time took the son to the farm. And then when they were working, the, the son started shouting, my head, my head. And he fell down. And then they carried him to the woman. The son was on the lap of the woman and he died. So, the... <laughs> okay, I'm coming. I just want to get to the verse where the woman was extra disappointed. Because already, she knows that the man is deceiving him. Now, you have given him the baby and you've taken the baby away. <laughs> wow. It's not easy. Let's go to the next verse. I just want to see where... Let's go to the next verse. Next one. Next verse. Next verse. That's all. That's not all. Hey. Okay, you are read from here. 28. Let's go to verse 28. Let's go to verse 28. Is there verse 28? Okay. So let me just um, get it from here. Alright. So, then she said, Did I ask you for a son, my lord? So you see, when Elisha called the woman that what, she, what did she want? She didn't say she wanted a son. It was the leprosy man who told him that the woman doesn't have a son. So let's give her a son. So <laughs> they, they decided to do for the woman what she lacked, which is very right. Because the woman, it's, it's not that she didn't want a son. She wanted a son, but she had given up because Atra was passed long gone so she said did i ask you for a son my lord and didn't i say don't deceive me and get my hopes up then elisha said to gehazi get ready to travel take my staff and go don't talk to anyone along the way go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face so this same gehazi <laughs> problem gehazi he was giving the staff to go and lay it on the child's face he went and he did this and it didn't work i don't know <laughs> I don't know what happened. Maybe I <laughs> maybe God saw the leprosy from then and decided not to let it happen. <laughs> but Gehazi took the staff, put it on the child. The child poof, still dead. So then it became tight that Elisha himself had to descend and go. So let's go to um, 31. Let's go to 31. Okay, 32. Okay. So when Elisha arrived, the child was indeed dead lying there on the prophet's bed 
So if you look at this, this one was an act of faith by the woman. Even though the prophet was not there, the woman believed there's some anointing there. So they picked the baby and put the baby on the prophet's bed. It still didn't work. The staff was on the baby. It still didn't work. You may ask, why didn't it work? God knows. That's why sometimes, at this point, a lot of Christians will give up. A lot of Christians will give up. And then they'll go back to second point to condemn the man of God. The man of God told me that I have a child. Now the child is dead. Hey, it's a fake man of God. They'll go to radio stations and talk and all that. That this man is fake. He gave us a child and the child is dead. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to Yeah. So a lot of believers will give up at this point. Because you have tried. You didn't ask for it. You got it. You are happy now. Your joy. It's even dangerous. They said the one who is standing, the one who is down doesn't fear falling. So she was down. She didn't fear falling. Now you put her up and then you make her fall. Okay. So, most Christians at this point will give up. Will give up. Even though this is what she got from honoring the man of God. She didn't just get a child. She got a child and got insurance on top of it. If the child dies, I'm there for you. That's what happened. So, Elisha came and then, let's go to the next verse. He went in alone and shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. Then he lay down on the child's body, placing his mouth to the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, and his hands on the child's hands. And he stretched out on him, and the child's body began to grow warm again. So this is where the anointing happened, or the miracle happened. He stretched himself on the child, and face to face, it was a direct impact. It was a direct impact on the child. So the insurance was activated here. So at this point, the child came back to life. And this is where the woman's faith will be strengthened extra. Because she knows that, hmm, I didn't ask for it, I got it. The baby died, I still got the baby back. So when you honor God, you don't just get a simple miracle. When you honor the man of God, don't just get a one-off miracle. You get a miracle, you get insurance. Yes. So let's learn to honor our man of God. Amen. Okay, so five minutes more, but you go. So last but one point pray for him you have to pray for your man of God so first Thessalonians 5 verse 25 you have to pray for your man of God you have to pray for your man of God first Thessalonians 5 verse 25 so prayer is a very important thing there are some preachers who preach that if you don't pray for your man of God, then you don't expect blessing from your man of God. I have to learn more about that. I'll learn more about that. Maybe one day you'll share it. But you have to pray for your man of God. It is very, very important. In as much as he answers to God and doesn't answer to you, he is answering to God on your behalf and maybe his behalf too. He's standing there for you. So you have to pray for him. This one is very straightforward. Dear brothers and sisters, pray for us. Simple. He, he didn't add anything else. Complication be had. Pray for us. Because he knows they need the prayers. So, some of the reasons why you should pray for your pastor is one, for him to deliver the right message. Very key. Ephesians 5, Ephesians 6, 9. Ephesians 6, 9. You have to pray for your pastor to deliver the right message. Ephesians 6, 9. Um, uh, let me see. Uh, let's go to 19. Probably this on the right verse. Okay. And pray for me to ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. So you have to pray and ask God to give him the right words. It is very important. If he gets the wrong word and he gives us the wrong word, we are all going astray. So the pastor, you have to pray for him to deliver the right message and the right word unto us. The second reason why you have to pray for your pastor is because the pastor is always under pressure. He is 24-7, day and night. 
He's fighting physical and spiritual battles. Not for him alone, but for you. Sometimes probably there'll be a deliverance. You go home and then somebody's somebody something from somewhere is coming to fight you from nowhere. So you need to pray for him. He's delivering you and your spirits are fighting him. So you have to pray for him. So Second Corinthians eleven twenty eight. Second Corinthians eleven twenty eight. Okay, then, besides all this, I have my daily burden, my daily burden, of my concern for all the churches. So he has his daily burden. This one is a Paul talking about all the churches, but this one he has his daily burden for this church. One day there will be a lot of branches. He have his daily burden for all the churches. So they, you need to pray for him, so that this burden, the burden won't go away. For the burden, he has signed up for it, so he'll get it. But you need to pray for him to get strength to carry the burden that is coming upon him. And even as I pray in cry, you have to support him. You have to help him. That's why people are chosen in the church to do various stuff. So they are helpers in the vineyard. You are helping his ministry. You are helping his ministry. All these things here, all these things I've said, can we, can we be on our feet? Can we be on our feet? All these things I've said here is about honoring or your responsibility towards your man of God. And your responsibility to the man of God must be in line with the vision of the man of God. So if you join a church, you know that the man has a ministry and he has been given a vision and a direction. And the direction is what we are all following. So you don't come into the church and come with your own vision. Then you have to establish your own church. Maybe downstairs we can give you a place there. Yeah, please turn around. They can give you a place downstairs and you start your own church. Because you have a different vision. Your vision is different from the pastor's vision. Then you are not for this church. Probably if you are for a, deeper, a different church somewhere. Mozama or something. Maybe you find it. But not here. At this point, you are following the vision of Grace Army. And it has to be clear. The last thing is that, I said it already. When something is not right, you talk to pastor. When something is not right, you talk to pastor. You can... You can Probably in your mind, you are not sure whether it's right or wrong. Maybe you talk to somebody, the person says, no, this one is truly not right. Come to pastor. Don't just end it there and condemn him. Because I don't want you to forget, I just want to state my points very clearly. The first one is obedience. You have to obey your pastor. The second one, do not judge your pastor. The third one, do not harm him. The fourth one, honor him with substance, as the woman did. And the last one, pray for him. It is very important. So at this point, I want us to pray and ask God that whatever responsibility that we have decided to forsake, God should draw our attention to it. Let us pray. Father God, whatever responsibility we have decided to forsake, draw our attention to it. In the name of Jesus, let our attention be on our responsibilities. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. It's true. He's a teacher. Is he? Yes. God bless you. God bless you. Um... Over the years, we'll be doing things like this. You don't know what you are doing, but I think that over the years, when I listen to them teach me, hallelujah. Um, whilst you are still standing, I always add to everybody who preaches. I, I endorse the message entirely. It is so true. There was a sister who called me one day and said, please, I'm dying. I'm going to the hospital, but I don't have money. And then, I didn't have much on my wallet, so, but I sent what I had. Immediately I sent what I had, the Lord said to me, if you don't pray for her, she's going to die. I said, Lord, why? He said, because she has done abortion. And the baby, some came at home, but the one there is getting rotten. So if you don't pray for the, that lady, that lady is going to die. 
then I understood that that lady didn't know what I am to that lady. She thinks that I am somebody she can just call for money. But she didn't know what the Lord told me to do on the background. So, when she was going, I couldn't rest. Apparently, when she went there today, they didn't take care of her. They left her, so she was screaming and all of that. And I called my wife. See, a Jimmy Seminar, and she's trying to. No, the pastor. Me nim de ayemi o oboa. Unim de no. And I said, wife, well, this one we have to pray. If not, we wear black, black. Let's pray. So we prayed. Uh, and apparently at that time, the spirit of death was moving around that family. And they wanted to do everything to kill. But the sister doesn't know what my wife and I we had to do. You see, if the Lord left calling to you, you would have called graduates and first class students. Do you understand? You will not call people who are humble. You will call warriors. So if the Lord had left the calling of prophets, pastors, into the hands of man, somebody like Miriam and Aaron, they will call people who are able to follow instructions to the latter. But I notice that God doesn't do it that way. I've seen people who were not able to submit to the grace on people who are not so learned. This one, can he be my pastor? No. And I've also seen scientists who have submitted themselves to a grace that is not as intelligent as they think they are. But there is this grace that causes them to shoot. I don't know how to put it. Some of you, you don't want to render account to me. You know why? It's my life. It's my life. Oh yeah. It's my life. I'm not saying come and tell me today I ate Banco, I ate Fufu and I ate Omutuo. I don't need all of that. But you will be doing things and the Lord will reveal to me. And I have to pray about it. And you know, the thing that I want to be very frank with you that hurts me and gives me broken heart about the church members, some, is that I can see that they are going. And they are going to knock their head. And the Lord will tell me, pray. Yeah, me, yeah, rough. Some of you are about to enter a business deal. You won't tell me, oh, just pray with me. Why does the Lord give you a prophet? Look at Gehazi's master, Elisha. Everything that that woman was supposed to get in her life, if not for that prophet, every other thing would, she would be known to be a rich woman because I told you about the Shunammites. When you go into the history of Israel, the Shunammites are the richest among the whole of the Israeli tribes. Do you understand? But that woman lacked something that riches cannot produce. It's called a son. Do you understand? You need a prophet in your life. You need a man of God in your life. No matter how old, no matter how young. If he is your prophet, don't get to a place and feel like, yeah, right now we count dollars. We don't need people who talk about cities. Because the level we are flowing on is at a high altitude. These people, you see, you have to change level because if not, they'll contaminate your new level. We're listening to a message when we're coming. Those who forget. Those who do what? But those who forget. You know the thing about those who forget? They forget the hand that lifted them. 
And so when they get there, they begin to now look for other people to associate with. I've, and I say something. The Lord told me, you need somebody to father you. I said, okay. So what do I do? I will say it clearly so that for you to understand. I went to Prophet Achim and I said, how many of you know him? I felt like his, his ministry is just beautiful. And he preaches what I preach. He's not far from me. So I feel like it is good. I went to him. He said, oh, come, come. I will nurture you. I went. The secretary did everything so that I don't get to meet the man. When I go, you go, we'll call you. You go, we'll call you. You go, we'll call you. I said, Lord, why? He said, wait, don't go. I didn't tell you to go. Wait. Your father will come. Three years ago, I met Daddy George. About three weeks ago, I was supposed to go to Prophet Achumanasi's house and pick him from his house. Do you understand? Ask Moses. We had one-on-one -on -one time with Prophet, Ach Prophet Achumanasi and he laid hands on us. So will I now get to a place and say, Daddy, it was Prophet I was looking for. Daddy Jirante. Prophet na. Onai na. Onai na. What have I done? I have easily forgotten. One thing I'll say, because this message is a heavy message, it's not an easy message to preach, but one thing I'd like to say to everyone here, do you know why Action Chapel is moving on? Forget doctrine, it's the body of Christ. They have not been called to teach doctrine. Can I tell you truly? Are you ready to listen? I have a doctorate in theology. Are you ready to listen? Action Chapel was called to preach one message. It's the message of prayer. Are you here with me? Are you sure? Okay. Lighthouse is called to preach one message. The message of evangelism and pastoral care. Are you, are you here with me? It's still the body of Christ. Do you understand? ICGC was called to preach one message. It's called the message of order, wisdom, and organization in the body of Christ. I used to hear, Church of Pentecost was called to preach one message, not two. It is called the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you give the microphone most of the time to a Church of Pentecost preacher to preach, he may only land on one person. The Holy Spirit. Is the church dead? Do you know why God called Grace Army Church? We are called to preach the grace of God. Thereby preach the faith of God. One message. He said, without faith, it is impossible to contact grace. We are called to preach one message. Do you know why they are they're exalted? Because they all rally around the one man who has been called. So they push him forward. I went to Anakazo and I saw money, millions of dollars, buildings. And the Lord said to me, it is because they all understood that this one man is called by God. And do you know what he said? He said, this man, he, did, he doesn't have to work. He doesn't have to do anything. He just has to focus on the vision and fight for it. He said, and I prosper the people around him so that the vision will stand. Sometimes I prophesy on you that you pay a tithe of $1 million. Do you know what that means? It means you are the one who has a $10 million. But a lot of people forget and they focus on the $1 million tithe and they forget that before you pay a $1 million, it is because you had $10 million. We are going somewhere. Can I tell you the, the truth? With or without you, we will get there. Let me tell you, if you know, align yourself well. Put yourself in the ship well. Because where we are going is great. Nobody, you see these kids? They are not here by mistake. All these ones sleeping. They are not here by mistake. Your babies, they are not here by mistake. The ones you are yet to give birth to, they are not here by mistake. They are here in the order and in the purpose of God. One day you stand and observe and see the order of God playing out. No church will ever grow if they don't honor their man of God. If my words are mere to you, they are I meet people and I say, the Lord said so, so and so. He said, can I have your number? They call me weeks, days after and say, what you said, so, so, and so happened. Why are you with me? That anointing is not working for you. Why? Why? I'm asking you. Sofo doesn't put on tie. He likes wearing jeans too much. 
That is what is stopping the anointing. It can't be. It can't be. It can't be. If you don't see me as somebody you must support, because I can't do it on my own, it is true. In fact, if you look at me now, I'm now I'm, I pray more now than I used to pray. Because sometimes I'll be praying, I'll stop. And I have to drive to go and take banner. Banner, poster, sticker. Sticker, sticker. Now I don't have to go. Sometimes I have to come. Have you done this? Have you done that? Have, and cut prayer time and do all of it. But now you guys are doing it. You have taken the pressure off me. So I focus more. Hallelujah. And by this, I have the mandate to tell you that you will be blessed. Can I say something? Don't record this one. Don't put it on air. There's one place that I feel you guys don't do well. Can I tell you? You are my church members. Can I tell you? You don't give to me enough. You prepare to give me an, on an occasion. So I see some of you struggle. Did you hear what I said? I see some of you struggle. And if you look at some people, some people make it a time to come to me and you know how much they give me in an envelope. Sometimes it's five CDs. So do you think that it is your five CDs that's taking care of me? No, I've had somebody come to my house and giving me 30,000 Ghana CD before. But it's not a church member. Do you understand? Say it's kind of me. So sometimes I look at all of you and I feel like, hey, these people, they can't see they can't see. I don't need your big money. I need that small one. I need that five city, that ten city, that one city, that egg, that cassava dough, that plantain, that palm oil. Are you here with me? Am I talking to you? That is what I need because it is a principle. You cannot cut it short. You can't make it up. That is how God makes it. Are you here with me? When it happens like that way, your blessing is just sure. Hallelujah. Don't be too sophisticated for me. I can't speak your language. You calm down, eh? David, calm down, eh? Nothing must say. What do you say? Get it. Understand me that this is how I am. But the vision that the Lord gave me. That we should all build, we will get there. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God really on 31st. Now I'll show you pictures of an amazing thing the Lord has done in Grace Army Church. Oh. It's a mighty thing that God is doing. And He's doing it through all of us. Hallelujah. I said, I need you. Did you hear that? I said, what? Yes. Guess what? You need me. <laughs> you need me to. Did you get it? Yeah, you do. God bless you. And then, because air classes. But Makasa. Makasa. Because I feel like we need it. We've come to a place where we must understand. Mm. We need it. We are not. We are not a church that is that has stopped growing. Look at us. We are growing. Look at your food size. You can now. You have fridge that things are inside. You don't need again. I'm pointing you. Sometimes you call somebody. Take it is the blessing. Family, you didn't even care about a fridge. Now I have three fridges in my house. Yes. And they are full. But I can't find you, your meat in the fridge. I say, I can't find you, you. That's your cocoa, your momone. I can't your fish. It is not in the fridge. Uh, it, it, it will come. It is all the space. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, everything I'm saying here, when Felix, when Moses, when Kweku, when Pages, where's Patricia? Okay, she's traveled. When Randy, when all the pastors of Grace Army Church, 
enter into their branch, I will come there and ensure that, that he's preaching to you. You don't care about his welfare. Every day when you I will come there. Me, I will come there. I will you. I will make sure that they feed the pastor. Pastor's appreciation. We will do it, but but I will come. I will come and raise the funds. You know why? What these pastors don't know is that they are yet to pray the longest prayer of their life. What they don't know, they are about to do the work. You, you will do the work. You, oh, Hallelujah. Sometimes you enter a room for three days. You don't know when the sun set or the time that it, it, it rose. You don't know. You just get a ask, what day is today? It will happen to this guy. All of you. Because where we are going, we are not joking. Hallelujah. Let me quickly share with you a vision next year. A vision quickly. Number one. Our church will not stop growing. Have you seen this thing? The banner they didn't come early. <laughs> we'll change it. January 1st, we are starting. In fact, we are starting now. Not January 1st. We are starting now. January, we'll print a new one and put it there. We have three months planned. Every time we are doing something, we must win them at all costs. So Grace Army Church will not stop growing. Point number two. Grace Army Church is a mega church. Amen. Listen to me. A mega church is a church that is in the thousands. And so we will enter the thousands. Yeah. In the name of Jesus. Now, any church that enters the thousand must become a, an octopus church. An octopus is an eight-legged freaking animal. I, I don't know if you can call it a fish or a sea creature. Yes. So it means that out of one branch, you like this, if you enter one branch, Kim, after a while, eight branches must begin to come out of you. It is the mandate of everyone. So at that branch also, once you come out of the branch, you too, after a while, eight branches. It is the, it is the law. It is the, it is the vision. Madam Admin, please post it somewhere here. Let's see it. Mm? Number one, we cannot stop growing. Number two, we must be a mega church. Number three, we must have an octopus church. So today I've canceled Bible study. Because I'm giving you Bible study right now. You see, I have the power to do that. Yeah. And I want to ask you, let's understand. I can't do the work alone. I need you. I don't want you. I want you to enter your heart.